0: So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 131. As we look at the passages today, we'll see the life of Solomon summarized as a great start, some incredible things happening in the middle, and then a decline at the end of his life that was really sad to see. And it shows us the warning about how pride money, wealth, can really lead to a person's downfall and where instead to find true contentment in life. And so let's read through these passages, hear the warning, but also hear the encouragement of where we can actually find true contentment uh, in ways that the world's wealth and, and money and power and status could never deliver. And so we begin today by reading from 1 Kings chapter 10. When the queen of Sheba heard about Solomon, she came to challenge him with difficult questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a great display of pomp, bringing with her camels, carrying spices, a very large quantity of gold, and precious gems. She visited Solomon and discussed with him everything that was on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was no question too complex for the king. When the Queen of Sheba saw for herself Solomon's extensive wisdom, the palace he had built, the food in his banquet hall, his servants and attendants, their robes, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings which he presented to the Lord's temple— In the Lord's temple, she was amazed. She said to the king, "'The report I have heard in my own country about your wise sayings and insight was true. I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, I didn't hear even half of the story. Your wisdom and wealth surpass what was reported to me. Your attendants who stand before you at all times and hear your wise sayings are truly happy.'" May the Lord your God be praised because he favored you by placing you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he made you king so you could make just and right decisions. She gave the king 120 talents of gold, a very large quantity of spices and precious gems. The quantity of the spices the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon has never been matched. Hiram's fleet, which carried gold from Ophir, also brought from Ophir a very large quantity of fine timber and precious gems. With the timber, the king made supports for the Lord's temple and for the royal palace and stringed instruments for the musicians. No one has seen so much of this fine timber to this very day. King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba everything she requested, besides what he had freely offered her. Then she left and returned to her homeland with her attendants. Solomon received 666 talents of gold per year besides what he collected from the merchants, traders, Arabian kings, and governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 measures of gold were used for each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold were used for each of these shields. The king placed them in the palace of the Lebanon forest. The king made a large throne decorated with ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. There were six steps leading up to the throne, and the back of it was rounded on the top the throne had two armrests with a stature of a lion standing on each side there were 12 statues of lions on each of the six steps one lion on each end of each step there was nothing like it in any other kingdom all of king solomon's cups were made of gold and all the household items in the palace of the lebanon forest were made of pure gold there were no silver items for silver was not considered very valuable in solomon's time Along with Hiram's fleet, the king had a fleet of large merchant ships that sailed the sea. Once every three years, the fleet came into port with cargoes of gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. King Solomon was wealthier and wiser than any of the kings of the earth. Everyone in the world wanted to visit Solomon to see him display his God-given wisdom. Year after year, visitors brought their gifts, which included items of silver, items of gold, clothes, perfume, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon had accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He kept them in assigned cities in and in Jerusalem. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones. Cedar was as plentiful as sycamore fig trees are in the foothills. Solomon acquired his horses from Egypt and from the key. The king's traders purchased them from the key. They paid 600 silver pieces for each chariot from Egypt and 150 silver pieces for each horse. They also sold chariots and horses to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. King Solomon fell in love with many foreign women, besides Pharaoh's daughter, including Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They came from nations about which the Lord had warned the Israelites, you must not establish friendly relations with them. If you do, they will surely shift your allegiance to their gods but Solomon was irresistibly attracted to them. He had 700 royal wives and 300 concubines. His wives had a powerful influence over him. When Solomon became became old, his wives shifted his allegiance to other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon worshipped the Sidonian goddess Ashtart and the detestable Ammonite god Milcom. Solomon did evil in the Lord's sight. He did not remain loyal to the Lord, as his father David had. Furthermore, on the hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for the detestable Moabite god Chemosh and for the detestable Ammonite god Milcom. He built high places for all his foreign wives so they could burn incense and make sacrifices to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because he had shifted his allegiance away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him on two occasions, and had warned him about this very thing, so that he would not allow other gods, would not follow other gods. But he did not obey the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Because you insist on doing these things and have not kept the covenant rules I gave you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. However, for your father David's sake, I will not do this while you are alive. I will tear it away from your son's hand instead but I will not tear away the entire kingdom. I will leave your son, one tribe, for my servant David's sake and for the sake of my chosen city, Jerusalem. The Lord brought against Solomon an enemy, Hadad, the Edomite, a descendant of the Edomite king. During David's campaign against Edom, Joab, the commander of the army, while on a mission to bury the dead, killed every male in Edom. For Joab and the entire Israeli army stayed there six months until they had exterminated every male in Edom. Hadad was only a small boy at the time, escaped with some of his father's Edomite servants and headed for Egypt. They went from Midian to Paran. They took some men from Paran and went to Egypt. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, gave him a house and some land and supplied him with food. Pharaoh liked Hadad so well, he gave him his sister-in-law, Queen Tephanes, sisters, Queen Taphane's sister, as a wife. Taphane's sister gave birth to his son, named Genubath. Tafany's raised him in Pharaoh's palace. Gunabath grew up in Pharaoh's palace among Pharaoh's sons. While in Egypt, Hadad heard that David had passed away and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead. So Hadad asked Pharaoh, Give me permission to leave so I can return to my homeland. Pharaoh said to him, What do you lack here that makes you want to go to your homeland? Hadad replied, Nothing, but please give me permission to leave. God also brought against Solomon another enemy, Razan, son of Eliadad, Elida, who had run away from his master king Hadadezer of Zuba, Azoba. He gathered some men and organized a raiding band. When David tried to kill him, they went to Damascus, where they settled down and gained control of the city. He was Israel's enemy throughout Solomon's reign, and like Hadad, caused trouble. He loathed Israel and ruled over Syria. Jeroboam, son of Nabat, one of Solomon's servants, rebelled against the king. He was an Ephraimite from Zeradah, whose mother was a widow from uh, Named Zeruah, this is what prompted him to rebel against the king. Solomon built a terrace, and he closed up a gap in the wall of the city of his father David. Jeroboam was a talented man. When Solomon saw that the young man was an accomplished worker, he made him the leader of the work crew from the tribe of Joseph. At that time, when Jeroboam had left Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite met with him on the road. The two of them were alone in the open country. Ahijah was wearing a brand new robe. And he grabbed the robe and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he told Jeroboam, Take ten pieces, for this is what the Lord God of Israel has said. Look, I am about to tear the kingdom from Solomon's hand, and I will give you ten tribes. He will retain one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. I am taking the kingdom from him, because they have abandoned me and worshipped the Sidonian goddess Astart, the Moabite god Chemosh, and the Ammonite god Milcom. They have not followed my instructions by doing what I approve and obeying my rules and regulations as Solomon's father David did. I will not take the whole kingdom from his hand. I will allow him to be ruler for the rest of his life for the sake of my chosen servant David, who kept my commandments and rules. I will take the kingdom from the hand of his son and give ten tribes to you. I will leave this son one tribe so my servant David's dynasty may continue to serve me in Jerusalem the city I've chosen as my home. I will select you. You will rule over all you desire to have and you will be king over Israel. You must obey all I command you to do, follow my instructions, do what I approve and keep my rules and commandments as my servant David did. Then I will be with you and establish for you a lasting dynasty as I did for David. I will give you Israel. I will humiliate David's descendants because of this, but not forever. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, But Jeroboam escaped to Egypt and found refuge with King Shishak of Egypt. He stayed in Egypt until Solomon died. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign, including all of his accomplishments and his wise decisions, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of Solomon. Solomon ruled over all Israel from Jerusalem for 40 years. Then Solomon passed away and was buried in the city of his father David. His son Rehoboam replaced him as king. And now we'll read from Second Chronicles chapter 9, and as we read from that, we see the parallel accounts, quite a bit shorter, of things that happened in Solomon's life. When the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon, she came to challenge him with difficult questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a great display of pomp, bringing with her camels, carrying spices, a very large quantity of gold and precious gems. She visited Solomon and discussed with him everything that was on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was no question too complex for the king. When the queen of Sheba saw, for herself, Solomon's wisdom, the palace he had built, the food in his banquet hall, his servants and attendants in their robes, his cup-bearers in their robes, and his burnt sacrifices which he presented in the Lord's temple, she was amazed. She said to the king, The report I have heard in my own country about your wise sayings and insight was true. I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, I didn't even hear half the story. Your wisdom surpasses what was reported to me. Your attendants who stand before you at all times and hear your wise sayings are truly happy. May the Lord your God be praised because he favored you by placing you on his throne as the one ruling on his behalf. Because of God's love for Israel and his lasting commitment to them, he made you king over them so that you could make just and right decisions. She gave the king a 120 talents of gold and a very large quantity of spices and precious gems. The quantity of spices the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon has never been matched. Hiram's servants, aided by Solomon's servants, brought gold from Ophir as well as fine timber and precious gems. With the timber the king made steps for the Lord's temple and royal palace as well as stringed instruments for the musicians. No one had seen anything like them in the land of Judah before that. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba everything she requested, more than what she had brought him. Then she left and returned to her homeland with her attendants. Solomon received 666 talents of gold per year, besides what he collected from the merchants and traders. All the Arabian kings and the governors of the land also brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 measures of hammered uh, gold were used for each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold, 300 measures of gold were used for each of those shields. The king placed them in the palace of the Lebanon forest. The king made a large throne decorated with ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. There were six steps leading up to the throne, and gold footstool was attached to the throne. The throne had two armrests with a statue of a lion standing on each side. There were twelve statues of lions on the six steps, one lion at the end of each step. There was nothing like it in any other kingdom. All of King Solomon's cups were made of gold, and all the household items in the palace of the Lebanon forest were made of pure gold. There were no silver items, for silver was not considered very valuable in Solomon's time. The king had a fleet of large merchant ships, manned by Hiram's men, that sailed to sea. Once every three years, the fleet came into port with cargoes of gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. King Solomon was wealthier and wiser than any of the kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth wanted to visit Solomon to see him display his God-given wisdom. Year after year, visitors brought their gifts, which included items of silver, items of gold, clothes, perfumes, spices, horses, and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his chariot horses, and 12,000 horses. He kept them in assigned cities, and also with him in Jerusalem. He ruled all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, Cedars was as plentiful as sycamore fig trees are in the hills. Solomon acquired horses from Egypt and from all the lands. The rest of the events of Solomon's reign, from start to finish, are recorded in the annals of Nathan the prophet, the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and the vision of Iddo the seer pertaining to Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Solomon ruled over all Israel, from Jerusalem for forty years. Then Solomon passed away and was buried in the city of his father David. His son Rehoboam replaced him as king. Now there's a lot there in all those uh, stories about Solomon, but the theme that you see basically is he started off so well, had great wisdom given to him by God, but over time, his pride and his love of money, his love of foreign women and the deals he made in the the treaties he made with these other kingdoms, and then all the, the wealth and all the fame led him eventually to be someone who went away from God, who didn't find contentment in God, but was trying to find it in everything else. And in the coming um, episodes, actually, we'll read the book of Ecclesiastes, which is really a description of Solomon's pursuit of contentment, of his pursuit of pleasure and his pursuit of everything to find some joy in life, which he realized only could ultimately be found in God. But the story of Solomon is rather a sad one in the way it ends, because it, it reminds us of the fact that pride, fame, money, all these things don't lead to any kind of true contentment. But there is something that does, and that leads us to 1 Timothy 6, the last uh, chapter of this first letter that Paul writes to Timothy, and we see many good and wonderful things to learn from this last chapter about contentment in the face of all the different temptations that are out there in this world. 1 Timothy 6. Those who are under the yoke as slaves must regard their own masters as deserving full respect. This will prevent the name of God and Christian teaching from being discredited. But those who are believing masters must not show them less respect because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve all the more because those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. Teach them and exhort them about these things. If someone spreads false teachings and does not agree with sound words, that is, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with a teaching that accords with godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in controversies and verbal disputes. This gives rise to envy, dissension, slanders, evil suspicions, and constant bickering by people corrupted in their minds and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a way of making a profit. Now godliness combined with contentment brings great profit. For we have brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take a single thing out either. But if we have food and shelter, we will be satisfied with that. Those who long to be rich, however, stumble into temptation and a trap and many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people in reaching for it have strayed from the faith and stabbed themselves with many pains. But you, as a person dedicated to God, keep away from all that. Instead, pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, endurance, and gentleness." Compete well for the faith and lay hold of that eternal life you were called for and made your good confession for in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you before God and all who gives life to all things and Christ Jesus who made his good confession before Pontius Pilate to obey this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ whose appearing the blessed and only sovereign the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will reveal at the right time. He alone possesses immortality and lives in unapproachable light, whom no human has ever seen or is able to see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hopes on riches, which are uncertain, but on God who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others, In this way, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future, and so lay hold of what is truly life. O Timothy, protect what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter and absurdities of so called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed from the faith. Grace be with you all. And I hope you were able to catch that uh, refrain, that uh, phrase, that godliness with contentment is great gain. That if you really want to be content in light, you find and you cherish God. And you realize that he'll provide what you need. And if you're blessed with much, be generous. If you don't have a lot, be content. Because ultimately, belonging to God, being loved by God, and knowing that the future is secure with him for all eternity, is what gives you the ability to be content no matter what your earthly circumstances are. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the NET NetBible, httpnetbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.